and welcome to podcast number five. 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 Yeah. Okay. Uh, we we are absolutely flying with these podcasts. If we're lucky, we might make it to ten before we get taken off air. Um, today we're going to talk to the lovely Lucy. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce her surname. I've tried a number of times, and um, I'm not Brexity. I promise. I just struggle with uh, <laughs> words in general. With, with, with words, yeah, <laughs> especially words with Zs in. Um, so this is Kev, and this is Claire. Hi. Very good. Well done. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about um, Lucy's running, um, and I'm not going to steal her thunder, but um, kind of the stuff that she's been through from from youth through to adulthood as well. Um, small disclaimer here: this is the first podcast that we've recorded in the morning without beer, so we might actually be much more boring. Yeah, um, um, and we're also at my house, which means my dog is locked outside and, and crying constantly because he wants to come in. So, um, yeah, if you hear a dog in the background, that's uh, You've ruined that's it. Coming. I was going to use a joke about a whining old dog, uh, and now I can't. Uh, I was going to suggest off. you were the whining old dog, and now I can't. <laughs> you can still suggest it. No, it's too late. Maybe we'll just re-record the intro. Um, so, anyway, um, how's your running been this week? Uh, I have... <laughs> I haven't run this week. Perfect. Yeah, how about um, you? Well, I haven't either, and I've got a marathon next week, but I'm... Do you... Are you... I, I like to run marathons oh, sometimes. I um, also have a marathon next week, just... just yeah. to let Anyway, you know. about me. Um, <laughs> I've got a confession. What's your confession? I've been having swimming lessons. Oh. Yeah. So I was very much a breaststroke only man. You know the old lady with the head out of the water? Yeah. That was me. Um, and I've decided against my northern nature to fork out for actual swimming lessons. Um, That's amazing. And I'm learning to do front crawl. How, how's it going? Uh, well, most of the water's in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> it gets easier. I promise yeah. it gets easier. Like, yeah, I, I love my swimming at the moment. I I'm can, really honestly, it. I could go out now and run 30 miles yeah. pretty much without a problem. Four lengths of a pool and yeah. a 25 metre pool. And I was blowing out my chuff. It was so hard. Um, What's kind of weird about this podcast, I realised this morning as I was driving over to Claire's, was that we're basically like a group of voyeurs. Everyone who listens to this podcast just wants to know about other people's lives. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of weird, right? Yeah, I'm a pretty nosy neighbour, yeah, so exactly. that suits me. <laughs> so, uh, hello Lucy, and tell us about your life. <laughs> hello, hi Claire and Kev, nice to hear from you. That's Kev and Claire, um... by the way, just to be clear. <laughs> Oh, is that the correct way around? Well, I'm definitely exactly. going to do Claire and Kev then. Yes. Uh, Bloody feminists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got one on the line. What are you going to do with them? <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for taking the time to record the podcast with us. Yeah, no problem. I'm quite excited, actually. This is uh, I dabbled a little bit in student radio at university, but it's the first time I've sort of done anything like this since that, so it's quite exciting for oh, me. Oh, gosh. So you're going to do a proper good job and and we're gonna sound like the amateurs that we really are as usual yeah uh, when, oh, where did no. you go to uni uh i went to bristol university oh you were a smart yeah. person then well i'm one of those people that then doesn't know what to say when you say <laughs> <laughs> so you're a smart person then come on was it uh, three a's at a level <laughs> may have been yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it would have been a stars if they existed back then right yeah, it would have been a style if they existed back then, yeah. <laughs> I only say Not... that because I work at Sussex, so we compete with Bristol quite, uh, quite oh, heavily for great. students. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but oh, anyway, I, I seem to bring my, my normal day job into uh, every conversation we have. So, Lucy, we're going to ask you some, uh, some quick, or well, Claire's going to ask you this time, some quick fire questions about yourself 
Um, and then we're kind of going to um, delve into what exercise means to you and what mental health means to you and, and how they're interlinked as well. Sure. Far away. Uh, so, Lucy, uh, where do you live? Where are you based? Um, at the moment, I'm based in southeast London. Okay. Um, yeah, so Forest Hill, which is lovely. I really love it because you kind of, kind of, you can see the city if you're at the top of the hill, and that's kind of nice. But you're far enough away from it not to be kind of in the middle of everything, um, and it feels kind of suburby, which I never thought I would like. Like to me, when I was growing up, the suburbs were like the mortal enemy but now I really love it <laughs> yeah, I think we all cross over that line at yeah. some point in time yeah, so. <laughs> you must be approaching your 30s soon uh yeah a few years away yeah, yeah. Years getting away. older I think I think I'm approaching them quicker than my body is to be honest <laughs> <laughs> mentally and um where where are you from originally so you say you live you live in South London now but where were you before that um so originally originally Berkshire but um, and kind of grew up in Oxford. Um, so I say Oxford, really, because the bit of Berkshire that I was from was called Binfield, which, can you believe it, is actually the name of the place. Um, <laughs> Sounds delightful. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds it like was, the back uh, of my council was... house when I was a kid, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a weird one. And my parents moved us away uh, when me and my sister were sort of getting to 10 and beyond 10 because they realised there wasn't really anything to do in the area apart from burn down the local park um, or hold the village shop up at, up at Knife Point. So they decided that wasn't <laughs> probably the best for us. And uh, uh, what, what do you do for a living? Um, I do a few different things. That's a really interesting question um, that I usually hate answering, actually. Um, but I quite like answering it now because I'm sort of doing bits and bobs. I do some running coaching. Um, and I'd say that the, the job I usually lead with is. Um, my uh, my good gym group so for those of you who haven't heard of good gym before it's an organization that combines running with doing good um so basically you have groups all over the country there's 50 different groups now um that meet up once a week um and run to a local community project or a charity do some volunteering and then run back um and i'm so incredibly lucky to look after the Southwark group um, and we meet in Packham on a Wednesday, so uh, I'm meeting up with them tonight. We're going to the Salvation Army to sort out some donations um, and probably play some games because I love to play some games. So you, that's you can tell that you've been my... in um, in radio before because that was such a lovely kind of segue into a, a good gym sales pitch, which, by the way, we, <laughs> we love and, and we will sell good gym twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah, big fans oh, of good gym. Yeah, so. beautifully done. Well done on that. Thank you very much. I'm also very used to talking about it, about Good Gym. You know, every single week I do I do a mini pitch, basically, to everybody there. Poor, poor runners that have been coming for months and years have heard me say the same thing <laughs> over and over and over again about how we do it. But honestly, I could talk about it till the cows come home. It's such an amazing thing to do, an amazing thing to be part of it. And I'm, I'm really, really lucky to do that. So that's one of my, my part-time jobs. Yeah, that sounds um, it sounds like a, a, an interesting mix of of running life and and work life, which uh, I think mm. we're all trying to find out who, how we can just run for a living uh, full time. Mm. So if you figure that out, then <laughs> then let me know because <laughs> I'm after the secret. Yeah, here's, here's a, a question for both of you that is is completely irrelevant to the rest of the conversation. But if I gave you both a year off work to train for a 10k PB, what do you reckon you could get down to? Like, um, and what is it currently? That's really funny. Yeah, I, ma- so, I made so, you a professional athlete for a year. 
Um, wow. So I'm really not at all confident with my running at the moment because I've been I've had quite a lot of injury problems and been coming back, and now I'm focusing on triathlon. So my running's been a little bit sidelined, um, and it isn't what I would like it to be. But I reckon in a year, at the moment, uh, I'm a sort of like 44 minutes. 20 or something like that um yeah but I don't anyway I don't I I think I can I can definitely do better than that I would say I can get into maybe 43 low I'm oh, sure I can no, do that come on, 39 59 10% saving over a year I mean you're being far too polite I was gonna say I'm gonna go for the world record so <laughs> <laughs> I'm the office. I'd be like, no, I'm going to get slower. I'm just going to do an hour. An hour will do me fine. <laughs> what about you? Claire? It's a good question, actually. Um, I I'm a similar time ish, I think, to you. I, I, my PB is around forty five. Um, I reckon I could get to sub forty. Do you think? Because a, year. a year's a long time, isn't yeah. it? And if it's I had of, a year just to focus on it, but every it, runner's dream, right? Equally, if I had a year off to be a professional athlete. I wouldn't focus on the 10k. No. no, but yeah, but now you're running no, my question. That's a very there's good there's point. all sorts of other hypotheticals. <laughs> let, me, let me have my imaginary question. Okay, sorry. I reckon if I had a year, the thing is the commitment, isn't it? Assuming that I remained committed mm. for an entire year, my PB was a few years ago, and that was 37.45. I nice. would, I would hope to get to 35 flat, mm. and that that would be hard going. Um, yeah, I'm, I reckon we should ask everyone that question from now on. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah, that's a good one. Or, I mean, I guess, you know, I feel like 5K is quite a sort of, you know, because so many people do parkrun and stuff, they have like a really good idea of what a 5K takes them. So I feel like that's quite a relatable one to go for if you were thinking of doing the questions. Each yeah, I, I love a game of would you rather. I mean, there's all sorts of... <laughs> Let's not play that on the podcast. Oh. <laughs> How did you know? Damn it. Okay. Um, so, uh, so Lucy, you, um, you've told us about yourself, uh, a bit about your work and stuff like that. How long have you been a mm-hmm. runner? How long have I been a runner? Um, so, yeah, I was quite sort of like active and sporty at school. Um, it's funny because I always say to people that, well, I don't say this to people, but they ask me what, you know, what teams I was in at school. And I was in all the teams, but that was only because we had 14 people in my entire year. So you didn't really have a choice, to be honest. Like, you sort of had to be in all the teams. Yeah, the rugby um, union team is already losing then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, no <laughs> chance. Not hope in hell. So, um, yeah, that was kind of out of force. And then uh, I went to university and kind of hit that age where I went, you know, partying and drinking and all that kind of stuff and just didn't really do anything active, to be honest, and was a bit of a mess. Um, had a lot of fun, but in a different way. Um, and then... A friend and I signed up for a half marathon um, as a kind of like, well, let's just see if we can do it, like a fitness challenge in, that would have been 2013. Um, So, yeah, then I ran my first half marathon in 20, it must have been 2013, it was in Bristol. Um, And, yeah, the friend that I signed up to do it with, she she got injured, so she couldn't actually do it on the day. And I went and did it on my own and just absolutely fell in love with the whole thing like the sense of achievement and you know the rush that you get and um I loved all the training just found it really uh you know it's a it sounds like such a cliche but it's a cliche because it's true that it gives you such headspace you know you can just go out and spend time on your own yeah um the, the, the number if I had a pound for every time someone told me about signing up to an event with a friend usually that friend was more experienced and then 
that friend dropped out and left them to it, I'd have at least seven pounds. <laughs> at least seven pounds. Um, you'd be a, you'd it's be a quite rich frequent, man, isn't yeah. it? Oh yeah. Well, mm. you know, you don't need much to to live in Worthing, so seven pounds would do. <laughs> so you said it was, it was kind of the the sense of achievement of it. How long did you mm. train for? And and you know, your friend kind of um, got you to sign up, but but what what it, was it that made you sign up? Uh, what was it that made me sign up? Mm. I mean, Bristol's beautiful, so it's a great place to run yeah. through, isn't it, for a half? Yeah, yeah, it, it was lovely. And actually, the half um, was really flat. And obviously, Bristol's not flat at all. So that was quite nice because I trained on all the hills. And then um, when we came down to it, it was it was a nice flat one. You kind of go under the suspension bridge, which was lovely. It was a really nice way to, like, round off, like, my university experience, really. Mm. Um, it was really cool. Um yeah, what made me go? I do. I just took it quite seriously. I've, I've always been one of these people that, like, once I start something, I get really, really, really into it. And if I don't get really into it, I never do it again. There's no chance. I do it for like a second. But if I get into something, then I'm really keen. So I just, I think I downloaded a plan off the internet, like one of these really sort of um, generic ones uh, for like a beginner's half marathon. Um, and uh, yeah, so that must have been. That must have been, yeah, whatever, yeah, just trying to think of how long I trained for it. It was it was a good few months. It was interesting because actually for a lot of that time I was um, uh, on my year abroad. I did French at university, so I spent um, a year teaching uh, teaching English. Um, so I was training actually in Martinique, which is the French Caribbean. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah, which was really hard work. It was so funny. I'd come back after a run. And my flatmate, my Spanish flatmate would be like, oh, is it raining? And I was like, no, it's just like 90% humidity out there. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> and I've been on a half an hour run. Like, just ridiculous. It was so funny. But um, so that was, it was hard work, but it was really, 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 really fun. And like a great way to sort of challenge myself. And it definitely, you know, at the time, um, I was still really, really struggling with, with an eating disorder. And I have to say that it, it, it did have this other side of it feels like I'm sort of changing the way my body looks, um, which hadn't appealed to me at the time. Um, so that was also a motivation, um, which kind of helped me propel things along, not necessarily the healthiest. Um, and it's definitely kind of a perspective that has changed quite a lot over the years. So you're, uh, yeah. would you say that your relationship with exercise isn't just black and white and the exercise has been great for you then? Is, have there been troubling times through it? Yeah, absolutely. There have been. It's, it, it has been a complicated relationship. Um, and that's something that I'm really sort of keen to talk to people about because I remember when I, you know, first decided that I was, you know, really, I think I knew I needed help, but I never believed that I could actually recover um so when I sort of finally decided to do that and started reading people's experiences um there was some people out there saying you know if you do exercise you can't recover it's impossible you have to stop completely um that they're incompatible um an eating disorder and exercising um and it just for me just wasn't wasn't as black and white as that um there were definitely aspects of there were there were really difficult times and I remember actually the time that I really you know I finally spoke to a friend for the first time ever um I'd sort of had a really bad day um 
lots of, of, of binging and purging and in this horrible, horrible cycle. Um, uh, and it was really late and I was like 11 o'clock at night. Um, and I was feeling so horrible about myself that I went, I went to the gym <laughs> at 11 o'clock. Uh, I went to one of those pure gyms that was 24 hours. I went to the gym, did a session, came home and kind of realized like, what am I doing? You know, this is, this is really, this is too much. You know, this is, this is bad news. Um, and how old were you at that, that point? The moment. Uh, that was at university. So that was, must've been, yeah, that was my third year at university. Um, I was 21 and had been struggling since I was about 13, 14. So it'd been quite a long, a long, long, long time coming. Um, and so, yeah, exercise kind of had this, this funny sort of, you know, oh, it makes me feel like I look a bit different. And that's kind of partly what I think I'm looking for. Um, but it also helped me in that same way have that realization that I needed some help. Um, and the friend that I spoke to, actually, she'd, she'd sort of made a comment a few days before in a kind of a very concerned way that, that you know, she's like, you know, you look very strong and, and very lean. Um, but I could feel that she was kind of, there was something else, you know, in, in the question mm. that she was asking me. And I, for the first time, kind of stepped outside of myself and thought, yeah, I do look different but I don't feel any different, you know, in, in my mind, I feel the same. I feel the same, like that I'm, I'm disgusted with myself and that I'm appalling and that I just want to sort of not exist inside this body kind of thing. Um, and that was a real sort of turning point. Um, a realization that it wasn't about how I looked. It wasn't a really, really wasn't about my body. It was actually about what was going on inside my mind. So there's kind of these these two sides of the exercise thing. One in way in a way that it, it did kind of feed into what was going on with me, but another that helped me kind of realize that there was a problem. And then further down the line, um, particularly now, my relationship with exercise is is completely different and is kind of much more based around being strong um and being well um and it's something that I still have to keep an eye on a bit definitely Can, um if, if you don't mind because so yeah. this is um you know eating disorders are obviously within the mental health spectrum and the mental illness spectrum mm. which an awful lot of people sort of forget because in my opinion uh, mental health and diagnoses of mental health is the broadest range of um health or illnesses within the NHS and it, it encompasses such a huge number of people and I think it's probably fair to say that this is an area that Claire and I know least about when it comes to mental mm. health because we mm -hmm. know suicide we know depression we know anxiety and things like that can you take us through um your idea of what you know the definitions of eating disorders are and and how they might sort of manifest I sound like a fancy person but you know how do they appear in people and, and what are the perceptions of them I think how they appear in people is that's actually that's a very good question. I'm really glad you asked because there is uh, this perception that in order that to be kind of identified as someone that struggles with an eating disorder, you need to be you need to look a certain way. You know, you need to be like people look at you and go, oh, that you know that person, you know, really looks like um, you know they're, they're classic things that like they've got very very low body weight or things like that. Um, and what is that's a very, very frustrating thing um, for many, many different reasons. 
Um, and I experienced a lot of barriers to, to care when I finally decided that I did need help um, because I didn't ever really look like that. Um, and yet I was, you know, really struggling on the inside. And because what I was suffering with was bulimia, and it's very common for bulimics not really to change weight very much, um, uh, then you kind of are at the bottom of the list, basically. And I always kind of said to myself, I understand, you know, the NHS is massively under-resourced. Um, and so they have to prioritise in some way, I suppose. Um, but it was very, very difficult and frustrating to finally say like right okay I need some help um and then realize that actually because you didn't fit into those um specific kind of parameters uh very typical ones that 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 you would be waiting quite a long time um and there are actually guidelines now to say that you know for for medical professionals that um BMI shouldn't should not be the only way that someone is judged for treatment um but not all um not all professionals are using it or are adhering to it in the way that they should do and this is still happening you know quite a lot um so yeah, there, there it, must it, be some really old school pros out there i guess um you know i use the term pro as in people who have been working in this area and when guidelines and things change getting them to change mm. must be tough i mean it's an area that you can't really quantify you know you can't necessarily send off for a blood test result and have you know, X number of white cells or something appear either is so much of it is about the person, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and then really, you know, the way I see it, it, it needs to be approached in the same way as, as something like um, depression and anxiety, where what your, you know, what your basis is, is, is what the person in front of you is telling them, telling you, because they're the ones that know what's going on with them, you know? Mm. Um, and so, in terms of how it manifests, there's, there's lot, you know, there can be there can be lots of different signs. There can be the obvious one, like you know, extreme and severe weight loss. Um, I know that I was extremely secretive. I was very angry, but I possibly was just a very angry <laughs> teenager anyway, um, <laughs> as a lot of us are. Um, very very secretive, um, and. Um, you know, I, yeah, I was very uncomfortable around food. I don't really remember, you know, how that might have looked to other people. But I definitely became aware of it when I was a bit older, you know. I felt very anxious around food. I felt very anxious around if there was a social situation that might involve, like, a buffet or a barbecue, things where you have a lot of choice. Um, that really stressed me out. And usually I just wouldn't go to them mm -hmm. um, because the idea was was really unpleasant so it can manifest in quite a few different ways I suppose and I, I think that's that's what's difficult about it and what's also difficult about it is that if someone's not ready to talk about it you can't it's quite hard to address it with them yeah I think um, that's that comes across you know uh, the whole sort of spectrum of, of mental health and and how difficult it is to to get help unless you're in a place where you're ready to ask for mm. it and receive it especially within the NHS you know I, I've had issues with friends recently and, and tried to access support on their behalf because they're just not in a you know they're clearly in need of help but not in a place where they're ready to to ask for it and it's just virtually mm. impossible and that for me is so difficult to square away because if it is something that you as a friend or a family member or a colleague or, or someone can see unfolding and that individual, you know, for whatever reason can't or doesn't want to, 
it just baffles me that that there's there seems no or yeah it, it seems really difficult to access any kind of support for them until they say oh do you know what yeah I do have a problem which is yeah. such a strong thing for someone to do and it's yeah. an incredible thing for someone to do but not everyone can do it um yeah yeah I totally agree and and particularly you know as adults we we have our own choices when it comes to care um and uh you you can't be you know taken to taken put into inpatient <laughs> without your own you know sort of say so you know if that's if that's perhaps what you needed so and that that's that's tough actually and i i find that difficult mm. it's kind of if someone if you can see that that something is really getting very 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 serious um and you're like I, you know what what else can 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 happen apart from this person be like sort of physically sort of taken to a place where where they can be helped yeah um without yeah but that you know, it's, it's a complicated question isn't it because, yeah yeah definitely so um, you say that yeah. um you were about 13 when it all kind of kicked off and that forgive me mm. for my language because I'm you know <laughs> I, I'm not very um subtle with some of the things <laughs> I say so apologies in advance um w- was that something that you recognized at that time or was it something that you can only kind of pick up looking back on it because it's a long time oh, isn't it? from no, 13 yeah. to 21 is an awful long time yeah, yeah. tell me about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah um yeah no I I knew I knew that I didn't really I didn't have any idea how serious it was um I, um, I, I think because I, you know, I didn't have this great sense of, I didn't have a great sense of self-awareness and who does at the age of 13. Mm. Um, but I was definitely really uncomfortable in myself. Um, you know, I, I sort of, uh, around that time as well, I, I kind of was self-harming a little bit. Um, and so there was obviously, you know, in hindsight, there was, I was trying to, escape from something or I was trying to control something um so I, I I knew that to me it was like oh there's this new I've got this new project that I've kind of like well you know this is this new project where I can improve myself um and I used to genuinely genuinely believe I had such incredibly low self-esteem that that you know I would look at my friends around me and I would think they're all really you know, they've all got something. They're either they're beautiful or they're funny or they're clever or they're, you know, um, people really like them. They're very charismatic. And I always felt that I had absolutely nothing, nothing to give. Um, so to me, it was like, OK, well, this is this is what I'll do. This will be my thing. <laughs> yeah. um, that must be what growing uh, up as a teenage girl is like for a vast majority of, of young women as well. What do you mean by that? kind of having those feelings not um eating disorder related but Mm. um you know feeling inadequate in some way or having no place within a social group or a year group at school or whatever it is you know it's it's a really kind of vulnerable time for a lot of people isn't it oh yeah yeah it is a very very vulnerable time and I'm quite interested in, in talking to people about how they felt at that time because I think we all felt a really similar way we were just trying to find somewhere somewhere to slot in basically Mm. um and that can be really tough if uh, you've got other things going on um, in your personal life at home, um, and and if you don't really know how to express you know your emotions and, and express what else is going on in your life. Yeah, um, I, I think yeah. it's so hard as a young person to go to school or or into a group of friends 
and openly admit that things aren't quite okay in some way. Mm. I remember when I was a kid and my dad was really poorly, I would um, constantly be going to school and, and I'd be loud in class and brash and, you know, the sporty kid and, and all of that sort of stuff. And at home, things would just be falling apart. And even my best mates mm. didn't know because it just wasn't, it's not something that young people are okay talking about. And I think we, yeah. you know, we therefore have to rely on sensible adults and friends to kind of pick up on, on little triggers and, and that sort of thing as well. Yeah, I think also there's perhaps a little bit of a relief. You know, there's a bit of a relief for you to go to school and be that person. Yeah, true, um, yeah. In a way, you know, so it is serving you in in some way. Um, it's kind of like, oh, God, you know, I've sort of broken out of this horrible thing that I know I have to go back to. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was probably kind of not, no, not not similar, but similar kind of feeling for me. I was a very very different person at school than I was um, outside of it. Um, and I was, yeah, really loud, really crass, really bright, you know, really kind of. I look back on it and I'm like really embarrassed, <laughs> you know, about the way I acted. Um, but you're right. And then, and then, you know, but then that is, it is such a responsibility, isn't it? And then, you know, people need, perhaps people in those situations need more, more training, adults and teachers and things. And yeah, it's, it's a real, real tough one to pick up when someone's struggling. And, and I actually, um, I wrote a blog post uh, in January about my experience. It's the first time I've really spoken publicly about it. Um, and I had a message from uh, my English teacher from secondary school, who I'd been really close with um, and still still kind of in touch with. Um, and she expressed sort of, you know, real sort of regret that she hadn't noticed. You know, she was like, you were such a capable young person. And uh, you know, just shows what you what you might not know is going on underneath, and I, and I wish you'd felt able to talk to us or that we'd been able to see. So, yeah. But you know, when we're talking about the NHS and medically trained professionals being in a place where sometimes they can't help, you know, it teaches incredible, um, but mm. but not well equipped to to deal with a lot of those issues so it only gets harder and I think you know families and and friends as well we're only just kind of through talking about mental health and and all of the different kind of aspects of it we're only just starting to be able to open up and, and understand it so you know it's so difficult for people who may not have ever witnessed it or ever had it in their lives or to, to even kind of fathom what you're talking about let alone yeah, kind absolutely. of notice it in someone so it's it's so tricky absolutely and and you know what a huge responsibility to to put on people who are already doing an incredibly you know tough and 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 pressured job such as teaching mm. uh so you know that that's not necessarily the right place to put it for sure but you know she was just kind of expressing that like as a human being to another human being you know i, I wish i wish i'd seen something so we've, got, uh, we've obviously common. talked about um y- you know sort of how uh exercise and your relationship with it with mental health had some kind of negative aspects to it but it's obviously been a hugely positive part of your life as well and and forms a large part of what you do now in terms of helping others and encouraging others to get involved in running and that kind of stuff so talk to us a little bit about your kind of running story I guess and and kind of what you've been up to um what races have you done and and some of the exciting stuff you've done around exercise 
Yeah, sure. Um, so for the first few years, I ran on my own, basically. Um, I tried out a few different running clubs uh, and groups, and I just found them kind of a bit too serious, <laughs> yeah. a bit too like competitive. And I didn't really want to talk to people about shaving milliseconds off my 5K PB. That just wasn't really what I was interested in. I just loved running and wanted to be around other people that loved running. Um, so I was kind of, you know, aware that I'd quite like to find a group, but couldn't really find one. And then when I moved to London, I tried out a few um, and then kind of just had this idea, like, I wonder if there's something that combines running and volunteering. Um, I was working in the charity sector at the time and still am. Um, so that's also a big part, a part of my life. Uh, so I just Googled it and up came Good Gym. Um, and I went along to a uh, a starter session and then started going really regularly to uh, my nearest group um, and I just I was completely enthralled by the first run I just thought it was incredible you know it was kind of a Wednesday evening in central London and I'm sort of doing some gardening in a community garden that I didn't even know was there that just sort of blew me away um, I, I, and... love, I love the idea of uh, Good Gym and, and the fact that running's involved and stuff like that. They do some um, some weird-ass volunteering stuff sometimes, don't they? Um, you know, <laughs> finding those good causes can be really interesting. Have you, what, what's the weirdest, uh, strangest kind of things you've been involved in as a result? Oh, weirdest, strangest. Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if there's any really weird ones but I have to say that my favorite thing to do is shoveling poo um that's probably, <laughs> probably my favorite task um and uh yeah quite a lot of there's been quite a lot of um people have sort of met partners and stuff through good gym um mm. as you would imagine and I always say like you know if if you're still attracted to somebody when you've been shoveling shit with each other you know and you're sweaty yeah, <laughs> for I'm an totally. hour yeah. shovel know, shit so, talk shit and uh and still yeah. like each other yeah exactly it's brilliant so yeah i really love um we've got a, a task at um a farm in surrey docks uh where we're going in a few weeks actually um and usually there's quite a lot of shit to shovel which is really really good fun um the funny one is when we're when we're shoveling up like cleaning up after the goats in the goat enclosure because as soon as we clean up the goat poo they just it's almost like they try they're like oh oh that's that's a fresh bit of brown. Uh, I feel like we should do something about that. So you just never get to go home. You're just constantly no, like shoveling goat poo. Groundhog day type situation. That's quite funny. Um, so yeah, the, yeah, shoveling poo is always really fun. Um, uh, yeah, it, it really varies. There's lots of different, um, you know, all the areas, because it's up to us as the, the people that kind of look after each area to find volunteering tasks. It yeah. really depends what we what we find and what comes our way and stuff i had a friend um, who's um he's a good gymmer and loves it and um he's telling me about how they went to somebody's house to to help them because the person had issues with hoarding um so mm-hmm. they they linked up with the local mind group and um you know this person who was a hoarder like crossed the line and said right i need some help so good gym went and helped him kind of declutter his house um, oh wow! And he, yeah, and my friend just said like he he didn't do any of the decluttering because he just spent so much time kind of talking to this guy, and this guy saying, "Well, I collect things because um, one, I don't like throwing them away, and two, I might need them in the future." And he was, you know, mm. kind of. It turns out this guy didn't have uh, many friends and and people to talk to, and the fact mm. that Good Jim were all there, just kind of being sociable around him, you know, helped mm. him. And it is, you know, I mean, I I would kind of. 
I have a weird, um, again, we're, we're going to use it to uh, voyeuristic tendency, <laughs> but being able to go through somebody's stuff in their house, regardless of what that stuff is, <laughs> kind of is really attractive to me. <laughs> you never know what you might find some old jazz mags in the corner. You're like, I might leave those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a similar one like that, actually. Um, when I first started, we went to um, went to a lady's house to help her kind of move some things. And um, it sort of turned out... We were kind of like piling up these books to sort of say like, oh, we're going to move these ones. We're not sure. We noticed that they were all by the same author. And we went, oh, it's interesting. She's got a lot of books by the same author. And after talking to her for a little bit, a little bit, we realized that she was the author and that there was these were all books that she'd written. Um, you know, she turned out to be this amazing European like lawyer kind of specializing in European law. So, you know, we basically stopped what we were doing and had a really long chat with her about <laughs> what she was, you know, her life and stuff. And it was fantastic. And uh, she had some gin to offer which is also very helpful um <laughs> so yeah it is absolutely it's fantastic and one of the great things that you can do with good gym is it's kind of this uh befriending service so you get paired up with an isolated older person in your area and the idea is that you run to go and have a social visit with them once a week mm-hmm. um and uh, you know that's really tackling tackling isolation and loneliness particularly in urban areas um, like London <clears throat> and it is such a two-way thing you know uh the the things that, that the the runners get out of, of visiting as much as as that person who probably doesn't have anyone um coming to see them yeah um, of course and it's it's kind of you know it is that thing where as we get older I think we become more socially responsible and then we realize mm. that you know we kind of do it with good intentions to help other people and then it becomes almost a more selfish act because you realize how nice it is for yourself to do that sort of thing yeah, yeah, it's just an interesting conversation actually that's happening around um, park run volunteering and, and volunteering generally. It's just kind of like trying to steer away from the language of, you know, giving up your time yeah. or sacrificing things. Because, that you know, as a volunteer, that's not the experience that we have at all. We're not, like you said, we're not sacrificing anything. We're actually, you know, we're getting loads from it. <laughs> yeah, I saw that um, conversation. I, I, I was reading the whole thread with uh, Tom Williams mm. from... I think he's the CEO of, of Parkland, mm-hmm, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's absolutely right. My son um, absolutely loves it. You know, sticking on a high vest, a high vis vest for him is, you know, kind of peak Saturday morning activity when he gets chance to. Oh, brilliant. So I love that. Yeah, and it instills in them quite early on as well. Mm, I think it's a great way to, to frame it. And, um, you know, that's definitely the experience of every good gymmer that I know. You know, they don't come along and think, oh, God. Oh, I could be doing this, but instead I'm going to sort of give up my time to go and do X, Y, Z. Um, you know, they're enthusiastic. They're there because they love it. And um, that that is that is really the case. And it kind of be great if, if the language that we use reflects that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sort of briefly detouring back to the original question. No, not at all. It's fine. Uh, all the best conversations are basically made up of tangents. I feel like so it's fine. Um, yeah, so yeah, got into good gym and then through that met some people and started doing some races and um, kind of realised that like I could, oh, I could, you know, I could get a bit faster. I could do some interesting things. Um, and so. In that time, so when was that? It would have been 2015. Uh, since then, I've done three marathons and I don't know how many half marathons. I can't remember. We're going to have to ask um, you your PBs here. We need numbers. <laughs> um, my half PB uh, still stands from last year's 136.20. Wow. Um, 
which I'm really, really proud of. Um, yeah, particularly that's amazing. Because, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, and it was really good fun. Um, and I, I, I'm quite keen to sort of point out that my first ever half marathon I did in two hours and nine minutes. So it's possible, you know? Yeah, half an hour um, off, that is impressive. Hmm, and it, it's it's like I, w- I, I was the same as lots of people starting to run when I started to run. Um, so, you know, just have a go, stick at it, see what you can do. <laughs> um, the marathons, well, I would, uh, the first one I did went well, but like I was kind of like, there's a lot more in the tank here. Let's see what else can happen. Uh, second one was a was a, a trail marathon, so it wasn't really it wasn't really about time. Um, but I did come first, lady, so that was pretty cool. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I won some beer, which is always a good thing to win. My favorite um, thing about trail trail runs is, yeah. is the beer at the end. <laughs> beers and, yeah. and beards beer. as well. Men beers with beards, beards just yeah. dominate trail running, don't they? <laughs> Look at me in my really Merrill shoes, drinking a beer with a big beard. <laughs> <laughs> that's I all Alison is isolated I was going to say like, it's me isolated I quit you got a lovely beard though <laughs> sorry go on yeah second one was a trail marathon uh, and then the third one um, was Paris Marathon last year which was like a really really harrowing experience and I haven't come back to marathons yet but I probably will next year right. um, we all have those tough. yeah we all have those it where was... you just everything seems fine and then you just go to the depths of hell Oh, the, seriously, the depth of hell. And I was so prepared. I was really, really, really ready. Um, and that was the most frustrating thing. Uh, and it just the day just was not was not the day. Where did um, it go wrong? Well, so it was it was uh, just after the beast from the east. Um, so it had been really cold. I've been training in the cold um, here in the UK. And then in Paris, it was like 23 degrees. <laughs> um, and I just overheat really quickly. Um, I didn't adjust my goals for to take that into account and just was like, I've got my goal in mind. I'm going to stick with it. I reckon I can do it. Um, went through halfway in about the right time. Uh, and then after that, just started to get really hot. Um, and then all the demons came, the kind of, you know, well, if you can't do this, what can you do? You can't do anything. You know, this is meant to be the thing that you do. And look at you, you're rubbish. Um and all that sort of swimming round and round and round in your head. Where did the wheels um, come off? What mile? Oh, uh, 30k was where they really came off. 12k um, is a long way to go, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it was the longest 12k of my life. It was, you know, it was horrendous. The worst people in marathons are the people who have stood roughly at 30k, you know, kind of um, 19, 20 miles, and they're shouting, not long now. Oh yeah, I don't. And you just want to punch them in the face. (laughs) Don't you dare! You try and run twelve k after you've run thirty. Like Jesus, come on! With a big smug French accent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. Alley, alley. Yeah, it's a really busy race as well. It's more people than run London, so it was chaos. Right. It was just, and there were there were people, genuinely people like uh, pedestrians, just kind of like walking across the route. You know, when you've got like sixty thousand runners trying to get through. Um, Someone got their moped out and was like mopeding through the runners so it was it was just chaos um and I just I didn't really enjoy it that much uh and then at 30k I'd already been struggling a little bit um and I knew that I had some you know had friends waiting for me so I got to 30k I saw them and that was it like I just kind of crumbled um and I went back went past them and then I went back and 
sort of dissolved into snotty tears. Um, and they were like, what's wrong? And I was like, I can't do it. I'm too hard. <laughs> did, did you consider quitting or were you always going to get Oh, there? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was um, I was really like, I'm done. This, I think I'm pretty sure I'm done. Um, and my my boyfriend was there um, and he was like, I'm not. I'm not going to let you not finish. You have to finish. Um, and uh, probably one of the good things about there not being great marshalling on the course was that he could then join me for the rest of the race. Right. Um, so he ran, we ran and walked together. Um, he went to go get me water and food and basically almost carried me to the end. Oh, hero. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And he was so, so right. In that moment, I wanted nothing more than just stop. And just for it to be over, um, but I would have been really, really disappointed with myself if I hadn't, you know, if I hadn't finished. That relief probably would have lasted like half an hour, and then after that, I would have been like, "Oh, really should have finished." Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you've gone yeah, that far. So... You may as well not turn back. Claire, what's the earliest exactly. you've ever considered quitting in a marathon? <laughs> I was going to say that sounds really similar to Brighton Marathon, like 2016, <laughs> when it was so, so hot, and. Um, my parents were meant to be at a point and they were late turning up, not their fault at all, but I was struggling so much. And at that oh. point I was just like, no, I'm not doing it. They're not here. And then I saw them a little bit later on and I just burst into tears and I was like, it's your fault. Oh. <laughs> well, every parent wants to hear. <laughs> I can't do it. You were meant to be there. Your average mum can't even turn up on time. Oh, love her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was pretty bad. But I, I don't know. I, I, if I start, I'm pretty certain that I'll, I'll finish, oh, even if I have to I'm drag myself. Round. I'll, I'll be like five miles in. I'll be like, I can't do this for another twenty-one, <laughs> and I'll co- genuinely consider quitting. And there's something that's like, just do two more. Just do, t-, and I, and I get to halfway, and I'm like, well, now you're halfway. But constantly, even when I'm at my strongest and my fastest, I consider quitting all the time. Yeah, I mean, I guess Valencia, when I called you, mm. I was that was pretty early on. You were and a that, mess. I couldn't understand you. I you was were like... such a mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was, that was uh, like, my uh, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I really, I don't know what, it, it was really hot again as well. And I just, I'd mm. had such a terrible time um, getting to Valencia. I'd missed my flight and then I'd had to get oh, three no. planes and a taxi from somewhere else in Spain to, to get there. And it had just been a bit of a nightmare. So, um, yeah, I think it was all just the pressure of it was a bit too much. But, yeah, I still still finished it. It's interesting because I, <clears throat> I think I probably used to, like, I didn't ever consider quitting until I did, um, uh, until I actually know, yeah, until I did this, crazy crazy very ill-advised stupid run um <laughs> and then after that experience I I like I don't know I'd experienced such like strong demons during that run that that kind of almost broke me a little bit away mm. um and since then now I, I am more kind of like oh, why am I doing this maybe I should stop <laughs> so um, just, and I still don't so that's good just briefly take us through that crazy yeah. run because we probably should have talked about it an awful lot more but we're also uh taking up an awful lot of your morning so give us a a, a one minute synopsis of uh, of this crazy run because it is pretty ludicrous okay so (laughs) um it was it was one of those kind of like quit your job and do something crazy experiences um I was kind of at the end of my tether with my job and lots of other things in life um and I have this friend who is amazing. She's an ultra runner and will run a marathon for breakfast um and she's all about 
Oh, she's just wonderful. She just <laughs> like she just loves it. She just goes out there and she's you know not about time. She's not about pace. She just wants to talk to people and like be outside. Um, so yeah. I really really look up to They're her. They're the equivalent of Labradors, aren't they? You just yeah, like yeah, you yeah. could be a grumpy old pit bull and there's this Labrador just jumps up to you all happy. <laughs> <laughs> you want to bite it? <laughs> um, yeah. So she uh, we start we kind of started planning. We're like, so basically there's this, this this long distance walking route up in Scotland called the West Highland Way. Um, and it goes from Glasgow up to Edinburgh, <clears throat> not Edinburgh, sorry, Glasgow up to Fort William. Um, and it, uh, it's about 96 miles, but we ended up doing 100 because we were kind of going in and out of hostels and stuff that were off the route. Um, and we'd always wanted to walk it but actually then we thought well why don't we just run it because you know running's quicker um <laughs> that's why most <laughs> that people like run because it's quicker than walking yeah yeah to be fair um so yeah we decided yeah like, okay well we well we could run it um i had absolutely no idea what i was getting myself into i'd never run further than marathon distance um and it was uh it was three ultras back to back Wow. Of, of of different distances so i think it was something like 35 miles 38 miles and then 27 or something at the end i said the, the math probably doesn't add up because i'm terrible at it but it was something like that um so yeah we we went and we did it we had our our bag kind of with all our stuff transported to the to the hostels along the way and we knew which ones we were having you know we had to get to where we planned to go to um yeah. by evening um and day one Day one, I felt really good. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is great. Fresh legs. Like, if the whole thing is going to be like this. It's going to be brilliant, you know. Um, but once once we got to the end of day one, I was like, wow, I, I don't think I can do that again. Yeah, and then you've <laughs> got to do it twice more. Yeah, I've got to do it again, but but further in the second day. The second day was, um, that was rough because I'd, uh, I stubbed my toe at some point really, really badly. At the time, didn't feel the pain, but started to feel it more and more and more and more and more. Um, and then at some point on a very, on Rannoch Moor, which is like this very desolate area, I finally kind of gave up and looked at it. I took my shoe off, got on the ground, looked at my toe. and was immediately like, I wish oh, I hadn't yeah. done that. Don't, don't do that mid-run. Never do that mid-run. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I wish I hadn't done that. Um, but yeah, I, I found that experience really, really difficult. I didn't have, I didn't have any experience of, of how much to eat. Um, I think that was a big problem. I wasn't kind of properly fueled, and so that was kind of playing tricks on my mind and um, taking me to really, really tough places. Um, uh, and I remember being so annoyed at my friend Becky, being just looking at her, being like, "She's fine. Why is she fine?" I'm like in tears over here, and I can hardly move. <laughs> like, what's going on? This is not fair. Um, uh, so yeah, and then uh, at the end of day two, we ended up in. We were in Glencoe, and then it was just like, well, it's just just about a marathon to go. That's fine. We can do that. Um, it's which so is a funny, very isn't it? That, that mindset of yeah, uh, it's sort of like when I get um, a mile and a half into a sort of five k, I think, oh, I can, I can't run anymore. It's all over. And then you like get to the end, and you're like, oh no, that's fine. And that that milestone just shifts as you go up the distances. <laughs> like when yeah, you're in an yeah, ultra, really you're does. like, oh yeah, I've only got a marathon to go, which doesn't make any sense at all. But somehow your brain no. goes, that's okay, I can do that. <laughs> exactly it do, it doesn't make any sense at all it's it's ridiculous um yeah so uh yeah and then the that last day that last day was was probably that was when all the exhaustion uh really got to us <laughs> and i remember i had this hat that i bought like a running cap 
I'd ne- I never wore running caps, and I bought it specifically for the for the run. Um, and I decided to put it on for the last few miles because that makes sense for some reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> out of a hundred, I'll just wear it for the last like ten. Um, I remember putting it on and being having this really strong feeling that if I didn't wear my hat, my head would like my brain would like float out of my head. Like my hat was like sort of keeping my brain together. Yeah, that's a normal thought to have. Sure. <laughs> Very normal. Yeah, really normal. Um, and shortly after that, uh, we both sort of stopped on this bit of moor and it was kind of drizzling a bit. And um, I, I, I thought she'd said something. So I, so I turned to her and I went, oh, sorry, sorry, what? And she kind of looked like vaguely into the distance. And then she turned around and she said, oh, what, what did you say something? I was like, no. And it turned out that we were kind of having these conversations with each other in our head that weren't actually happening out loud. <laughs> yeah, that's most of how our business relationship works, actually, isn't it? Claire? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just assume much. that Claire oh, yeah. knows what I'm thinking. It's how it should always work. And so, does it work? Like, does it work? Does, it, does that work out for you? It sort of does. Yeah, in a weird yeah. Way. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. um, well, it's the first ever business partnership made on. Uh, tele, tele telepathy then I yeah, suppose. Yeah, Congratulations. Exactly. Thank you very <laughs> you much. Put it on the website. <laughs> We're gonna start selling it. Um, so um I mean you've obviously done some amazing things, you know, you've achieved some great goals and, and you seem to be at a really great point in life where you where you seem happy with your balance and stuff. But what next? Have you got any kind of running goals in the next couple of years? Um I haven't got any particular running goals in the next couple of years. I, I want to go, you know, kind of get over this. I should have got back on the marathon horse sooner, to be honest. Um, but various things happened. I had some injuries and stuff. So I want to get back to that next year. Um, but this year I'm mostly focusing on triathlon goals. So my big one is um, a half Ironman in September. Um, so that's what I'm working towards at the moment. Um, Which half Ironman are you doing? It's Heaver Castle. In Kemp. Oh, amazing. Oh, yeah. my friend Kathy yeah. did that. Yeah. She, oh, yeah. Yeah, she did the, the, the full event um, and I went up and cheered her along. Um, it's pretty hilly. I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I, it's all right. I've been, I've been through that. I've got. A, uh, I'm really lucky. I've got a, a triathlon coach, and he kind of he's very diligent. So he printed out like maps and showed right. me profiles, and I was like, oh no, what have I done? Yeah, very, very. Up the and opposite down. to me. I've picked my races purely on what's the flattest. So <laughs> I just yeah, I, I yeah, I've I've really gone off like big road races. Um, so I'm kind of going for stuff that that's interesting basically if I'm going to do something like that I kind of want to I mean I'm, I'm probably going to be totally regretting this when I'm like you know trying to get up a massive hill on my bike um but yeah that that was kind of the idea behind that um and also this year I'd really like to to get my sub 25k that's I'm really keen on that yeah um and then when you give yourself a, a year off running in the future and get that sub 40 10k then you'll yeah be, uh, yeah you'll <laughs> so. yeah well, Lucy, listen, thank you so much for um, for giving us the time and, and kind of, you know, enabling us to ask you all sorts of difficult questions um, today. It's been so um, enlightening for me because it's it's not something, like I said earlier, I know an awful lot about. And, you know, just to talk to somebody about how they've been affected by eating disorders and, and how they mm. also haven't controlled their life, you know, all mm. the time and, and how you've dealt with it. It's, it's absolutely inspirational. So thank you so much. 
Thank you so much. I'm sorry I blathered on. I really want to get me going. I just can't be stopped. No, no, <laughs> don't, don't apologise at all. It's, it, it has been really fascinating. And um, yeah, I, I'll be keeping a close eye on your uh, triathlon goals for later in the year. So best of luck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, at, at runmindfullucy on Instagram, if you're on Instagram, uh, or um, Lucy and then my surname. So yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll be following you guys. And thank you so much for, for taking some time to have a chat with me it's been really a really great experience for me too so oh it's absolutely so our pleasure thanks so much lucy all right thank you bye Cheers. well that was pretty spectacular um I, I love the fact that somebody can talk so openly and honestly about something but also um be an upbeat person we so oh, yeah. often get buried in this idea that mental illness means misery and it doesn't always no no not at all and and i think just to show you know how she's taken something that's obviously been such a difficult time in her life and and all the positive things she's been able to kind of take from it yeah um yeah and she's like you she's doing a half iron person you're doing marathons broke broke her heart and so she turned to triathlon her story for a different day i'm like ben and you're like lucy (laughs) so if you don't know ben is he's from podcast number three four four podcast four um and uh i bet she can ride a bike better than you though oh 100 percent. i think everyone in the whole entire world including your son can <laughs> ride a bike claire fell off her bike me. last week <laughs> claire falls off her bike every time she goes on a ride and is um starting to think that she's doing something and wrong. of course the first thing i asked when you said you've fallen off your bike is is the bike okay and i still don't know the answer to that because no. i've got no idea what i'm doing i'm just looking at it right now going yeah it looks like how a bike should look yeah got wheels a bit bent, <laughs> but, um anyway in, enough of us rabbiting on we need to go um so just very briefly we are now just a uh, couple of three weeks away from the run club launch mm. um run uh runthings.co.uk slash run club to join up we're up to about 160 odd members now which is brilliant and we will soon be receiving the vests and tees to send out um, and again, the run around the world is the next virtual event starts July the 1st and entries will open on May the 1st. We can't wait for that. Anything you want to say? No, that's everything. Thanks, then guys. We are done. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>